In today's message, Pastor Rick talks about facing life's challenges by seeking God's help to take higher ground. That when we face mayday moments, we may need to turn to God and ask for help. He shares the importance of being in the right relationship with God and accepting the challenges that come with gaining higher ground. Take a listen and enjoy the challenge. Grab a Bible, go ahead and open to Numbers 13, and then mark a spot in Joshua 14. I'm walking around greeting people this morning, meeting people, and I meet one of the new families here. They got a couple little kids with them, and introduce myself. And a little girl hands me a paper, and, uh, and you know, and I said, hey, I'm going to take it out and put it in my Bible. And it says, from Iris to church, right? And I open it up. It's got this cool picture. This is what I want you to see. I love you so, 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 so much. Isn't that a great way to come to church? Man, if everybody just, if everybody loved their church, loved Jesus like that. And thank you, Iris. It is going right back in the back page of my Bible. We are in a series called God Help. Talking about those Mayday moments in life when we look at something that we can't handle, right? I can't do this alone. God help. Me. We started the series by looking at what the scripture says about our creation that we were designed by God to need help. That's a hard pill to swallow, but it's written all through creation. The man needed a helpmate for him. He needed help, right? The church is to help one another. Our salvation, don't face death without God's help, right? We were designed to need help from God. It's relational. It's relational. Last week, Matthew shared out of Psalm 27 about waiting on the Lord. And his central theme was, if it ain't good, God ain't done. And today, we're going to take just a little bit of a, of a different term. We're going to talk about, look at a passage of Scripture about a, a man in Scripture who wanted to take a mountain. We're calling it higher ground. And he realized, I will never take higher ground without God's help. And his name is Caleb. We're going to get this story. But before we do, I want you to think of something. What higher ground in your life are you trying to take? I mean, if you look at your life and go, man, here's a spot. It's higher ground. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe it's a mountain. Maybe it's not a positive thing. Maybe it's a negative thing. I can't beat this. I can't forgive this. What mountain or higher ground in your life that you would be ready to get to the place where you'd go, I can't do this by myself. God, help me. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open to Numbers 13. We're going to begin reading in in verse 25. Follow along with me, if you would. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it is certainly a land that does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And you remember it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes, just this incredible, incredible land. Nevertheless... The people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the uh, river of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much that we have uh, the opportunity to gather, to fellowship, Father, uh, to grow, to learn. And I pray that you'd speak to us through this word today, Father. Uh, help us look at our life and those things that we have uh, gotten way too comfortable with that need to be defeated, need to be conquered in our life. Father, give us the motivation and the confidence in you to address them in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with a point that we began with uh, in, the, in the initial sermons uh, of the series. And that was make sure you're in a position for your prayer to be heard. Uh, and I'm going back and look at this because I, sometimes I, I think we want to take the easy way out in, in our coming to God. And the Bible pretty much clearly teaches that our prayers can be hindered from God hearing them. And, and that in this relationship we, we have with God, that being a child makes a difference. Being a child in right relationship makes a huge difference. And Jesus illustrated it in Matthew 7, right? If you then being a father and your child asks you for a biscuit, a piece of bread, are you going to give him a rock? If he asks you for a fish, are you going to give him a snake. And Jesus says this, and I love this. I don't think we dwell on this. We're too black and white in our world. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts. Let's pause. Are you evil? <laughs> Two of you are evil. I'm in the right place. I just didn't even realize it, did I? No. I need you to come to terms with this. In the core of your being, you are evil. But even evil people know how to do some good things. That gets all, man, that gets all messy in our black and white minds, right? That Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more can a perfect, good, and gracious God bless those who ask him for things? And this is that deal of right, right relationship. It matters to be a child. It really matters to be a child in right relationship. Does being a child get you everything you want? No, stop believing that. But being a child will get you an answer. It will get you an answer. A yes, sometimes a no, sometimes it's wait. Second truth. The life we are living puts us in a place to be heard by God. The life we're living puts us in a place to be heard by God. Psalm 66 verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Multiple times in scripture, the Bible tells us that how we live our life either puts us in a position to be heard by God or not be heard by God. So here's Caleb. Something is said. There's a phrase that's used to describe Caleb's life six times in scripture more than any other person it's ever said of. And it's this phrase. He followed God fully, completely, wholly. Caleb put himself in a place that when he needed to pray... He was going to be heard. Now watch this. Horrible, bad, painful things are going to come to everybody's life. You cannot stop them. Look at me. Stop wasting your life trying to avoid the inevitable pain. Part of this world. That's out of your control. Right? So you can breathe easy now. It's going to hurt sometime. It's going to hurt sometime. You can't control it. What you can control... It's the life you are living when that moment happens. 
you can live in such a way as to put yourself in a place where when the wheels look like they're coming off from this side, you're in a place to be heard. Because not only are you a child, but you're a child in right relationship. So understanding that, there are four prayers we pray when we want to take higher ground in life, when we want to take a mountain, something that we have not been able to conquer in our lives. So here's the first one. God, help me see your presence. God, help me see your presence. Uh, This comes from Numbers 13, 25 through 33. We just read it. Uh, Any Star Wars fans out there, big time Star Wars fans? One, I am not. That's okay. Gets a little bit hard for me to understand. I'm a pretty simple guy, but there's a phrase in Star Wars that I wanted to use. Your focus determines your reality. And while I'm not a Star Wars fan, I am a Bible fan. And the Bible says it this way. We live by faith, not by sight. And when faith is our focus, God is our reality. Our focus determines our Reality. So what happens in the passage we read? Well, 12 spies go into the land, and it is an incredible land. It is an incredible land. They come back, but alongside this incredible land, there is this incredible obstacle. I need you to see that those two things always run together. They always run together. Great opportunity, great obstacle, always. And 10 of those spies look at the obstacle and go, while the opportunity is great, the obstacle is too big. And they give a bad report back to the children of Israel. Two of those guys said, I see the obstacle. I see what God wants to give us. Keep that phrase in your mind. And I choose what God wants to give us. Because my God is bigger than the obstacle. Ten didn't believe that. Two did. So first, before we move any further, I need you to see this. This life will do everything it can to make us take our eyes off of Jesus. You can put the word faith there, right? Anything that it can do to get you to stop depending on Jesus. Stop saying, God help me. And there are two things in our world that are prevalent, that are wreaking havoc on our lives. The first one is prosperity, and the second one's pain. I want you to pause for a second and think about how many people, first of all, you know that are prospering. Good grief. The second, how many you know that are in pain. Good grief. And here's what prosperity does. Prosperity will tell you you don't need God. Pain will tell you God doesn't care. Both of them are an attempt to get your eyes off Jesus. Stay with me. Stay with me. So much, so many good things are happening to me. I just don't need God right now. So many bad things happen to me. How could he possibly care for me? Both are an attempt to get us to take our eyes off of the faith walk. So the promised life is available, but giants are still in the land. So I love this story because it's talking about the promised land. The promised land's not ours, right? That was an Old Testament thing for God's people, but the promised life, watch this, is what did Jesus say in John 10? I've came, come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's the promised life. Here, those two things parallel. I need you to see it. The promised land does not come without facing giants, and the promised life will not come without facing giants. They parallel each other in life. I believe God wants you to have a great marriage. Okay, here's a lesson. If you're sitting by somebody and you're married to them and somebody makes a a statement like that, you need to be saying amen. 
right? Yes, he does. Hallelujah. But if you can do this, maybe a long afternoon. Here's, here's what we've, the, the trap we've fallen into in our world is that a great marriage is a pill you swallow. Right? It's easy. And so I come to church. Please give me the marriage pill. There is no pill. There is no pill. Face your giants. Face the giants of your past, your guilt, your pride, your stubbornness. Face your giants. If you want the promised life, defeat the giants that want to keep you from having it. It's that simple. I believe God wants you to have a great family life. But I'm going to tell you, there's some giants in that land. Right? There's rebellion. There's personality conflict. There's resentment. There's sibling rivalry. There's all kinds of things that happen in a family. You want the promised life. Face the giants that would keep you from having it. With every blessing comes adversary. So here's, here's the two lessons we walk away from this first point with. Where you are starts to look pretty good when you see what it takes to gain higher ground. Right? Get this. Land flows with milk and honey. Un- unbelievable land. So much good fruit takes two guys to carry a cluster of grapes. And get this. Everybody skips this. You will get cities that are already built. Houses that are ready for you to move into. You don't have to do anything but go fight this battle. Well, wait a minute. There are giants out there. I understand how good this is. I understand how good a good marriage could be and a good family could be and a good walk with God could be. I don't think I want to fight those giants. And watch what happens. We're going to read a little further in a moment. Not only do you say, I'll stay right here, you'll get to the place where you'll say, I'd just soon go back and live the life I used to live. Let me go back to Egypt. Wish I'd have died in the wilderness. Then having to face the giants that are in this land. Second thing that you need to walk out of here with. Higher ground is not possible when you're the biggest thing in life. Um, people, people say, well, why do I need God? I'm going to tell you why you need God as an old man. You need God because eventually you're going to run up against something bigger than you. Uh, maybe you haven't yet, but you will. Maybe you're young. Maybe life's been good. Maybe life's been easy. But I'm going to promise you at some point, you're going to run up against something bigger than you. And when you are the biggest thing in life, you're not going to know what to do. Watch this. Last verse of chapter 13 says, We were in our own sight grasshoppers. And as we were in our own sight, so we became in theirs. Watch this. Ten of them in their life, they were the biggest thing in life. And so they're looking at those giants going, not a chance. Not a chance. Caleb and Joshua looked at themselves and go, they're bigger than us. I own it. You better own that there's stuff in life bigger than you. I own it. I'm not the biggest thing in life. Here's the cool thing. While you may be bigger than me, you are not bigger than him. You are not bigger than my God. And because my God is bigger than you, we can take this mountain. Ten didn't believe it. Two did. Second prayer we pray. God help me be faithful in adversity. Uh, I don't have time to read this. This is 
flowing into chapter 14. It's a fabulous story. Uh, read it on your own. Uh, higher ground never comes without adversity. So the 12 bring the, the report back, 10 bad, too good. Uh, and, and it gets a little tense because Caleb jumps up and says, don't listen to these guys. God wants to give us this land. Let's go in. And then he looks at the, at the people of Israel and he says, you turn this opportunity down, God's going to be angry. And the people get very mad. They pick up rocks, the scripture says. And they attempt to stone Caleb, Joshua, and Moses. We're just going to kill you because we don't like what you're saying. So here's what I need you to see, that when you get ready to take higher ground, adversity is going to come. It may be in the form of people. Your family may be your adversity. Your friends may be your adversity. Circumstances may be your adversity. And, and we, we don't deal with this one nearly enough. Spiritual warfare may be your adversity. But you're going to face adversity when you want to take higher ground. So what do you do when you get to that, that moment um, uh, where we're facing adversity in life? And there are basically four responses. And, and, and the, the first one is fight. So what? get this now because a lot of you are going to be on the fight train. Um, I am. I, 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 I struggle with my anger. I told the, the last service it wasn't in my notes. Uh, when my daughter-in-law had her baby, uh, it looked like she was having a stroke right after she had a baby. She ended up with Bell's palsy, but her blood pressure was real high, and her face drew, and the stroke teams ran in. And, uh, and I got mad. And uh, I looked at my wife, and I said, is, is the only thing I know how to be mad? We got on the elevator, and people were getting on the elevator. We're on the sixth floor of the hospital, and we're going down to the car, and it's stopping on every floor. And I said, are we going to stop on every stinking floor and pick people up? And my wife looks at me, and she said, uh, first, you said that out loud. <laughs> I, if she was here, she would tell you. She looked right at me, and she said, you said it out loud. Secondly, this thing's full of people. This elevator is full of people, and they're listening to you. And we walked out. Walking down the steps, I said, I don't think I know what else to be. I hate it that my default is anger. Maybe yours is. So, so look at this, right? A group of people pick rocks up to kill you, and you're on God's side. You know you're right. You pick a rock up. And you realize, when I throw this rock, there may be a lot of you, but God's behind this one. Right? You're going down. But he didn't. And I need you to hear this, and I need to hear it. Just because it looks like you're on the right side of an argument doesn't mean you need to fight. Number two, he could have fled. All right, you people stay here. I'm going on into the promised land. I'll leave you alone. I'm tired of you, dumb people, right? Go off and leave you, right? Third one, he could have floundered. Why does stuff like this always happen to me? Nothing ever works out right for me. Man, life is against me. God's against me. He could have floundered. He did not fight. He did not flee. He did not flounder. Six times the Bible tells us what he did. He followed God fully. The adversity that's in your life right now, are you fighting? Right? Have you become unpleasant to be with because you're swinging at an invisible enemy? Are you fleeing? Just leave me alone. Isolating? 
Are you floundering? Nothing ever works out for me. Or will you follow God fully? Third prayer that we pray. And i got to watch my time. I'm doing good. Third prayer we pray is God help me be patient. This is in Numbers 14 verses 20 through 24. So the people got rocks in their hands. They're going to try to kill Caleb, Joshua, Moses. And God shows up. He says, I got bad news for you. I gave you a good chance. You saw the miracles at my hand. But you refused to be obedient and believe. So here's the verdict. If you are over 20, you're not going into the promised land. You're going to die in the wilderness except for two men, Joshua and Caleb. Here's the bad news for you. It's going to take 40 years for what I promised you to become a reality in your life. Time. Time. So we learn that if we're going to take a mountain, we have to... We have to ask God to help us hold on to his promises. Um, So when it comes to perseverance and, and adversity in life, the adversity is not the problem. The time is. I need you to understand that. Most any of us can endure adversity as long as it doesn't last very long. Let me show you. You you seen those uh, chin-up bars you hang on at the fair? And and you hang on to it. And if you can hold on for two minutes, they'll give you $100. Okay, first thing is, if they're offering to give you $100, nobody's doing it, right? Right. But but they know how you think. Because you're a man. Well, I can do that. I can hang on that chin-up bar. Two minutes. Two minutes ain't nothing. and, And here's the truth. Almost everybody could hang on. The adversity's not the problem. It's the time. And you grab that chin-up bar and you hang on. And you hang there for about 30 seconds and everything and you start screaming. Right? Or maybe you're good enough to hang on a minute or maybe a minute and a half. And I'm going to tell you, the guys that put that thing together realize you may hang on a minute 50, but you won't make two minutes. Human body ain't designed to operate that way. It's not the size of the adversity. It's the length of the adversity. You look at uh, Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a baby. I believe God can do that. But when it took 25 years to happen, my belief struggled. You look at a a young man named Joseph who had a dream he'd be a king. But it took a long time for that dream to come true. And then you look at Caleb who had the promise of land. 45 years he would wait. Which begs the question... Why does it take God so long to do his part? Right? Some of you guys have been praying for a mountain for a long time. Why does it take so long for God to do what we need him to do? Well, sometimes it's because we're not ready. Right? Sometimes that the mountain we're praying for, it takes years to prepare us for what God wants to give us. Make sure you get that. We pray for things we can't handle. So here's your first question. Is the mountain you're asking God for, the higher ground you're asking God for, are you ready for it? Well, that's a gut-wrenchingly honest question to have to look at and go, maybe I'm not. Maybe everything else in my life doesn't line up with what I'm asking God to give me. I'm just not ready. Number two, 
Maybe the people around you aren't ready. Now, this is Caleb, right? Caleb, you and Joshua, I could send you guys on in today. It's these other nuts that I can't send in. And the bad news is it's going to take 40 years for them to get to the place where I can. And you're just along for the ride. So your second question, are there people around you that are not ready for the mountain you're asking God for? This happens with our kids a lot. We start praying stuff for our kids that they're not ready for. Are the people around you ready for the mountain, the higher ground you're asking God for? And the third one, sometimes God's just not ready. Um, Genesis 21.2 says that at the time God appointed, Sarah conceived a child. So all this waiting just came down to this issue. is on God's timetable. Pastor, that's it. How do I know when? You got me? I don't know. It's just we walk by faith, not by sight. I don't know what's on God's side of the equation, right? And that's part of our struggle as people of faith. We don't always understand what God is doing. And sometimes the only answer in a situation is God's just not ready. Because he's working an eternal plan. So here's the kicker. Through it all, Caleb... Followed God fully through difficult times, through times of adversity, through times of unproductivity, uh, where nothing was happening, and through frustrating times, he completely followed God. Last point. God helped me take this mountain. This is in Joshua 14, uh, where, where Caleb says that if, it, if God will help me, I will take the mountain that has been promised to me. Um, so let's start with the question of what is your higher ground? What is the thing that thus far in life has been too difficult for you? Right? For some reason in the past weeks, anxiety has surfaced in conversations with me over and over and over again. Just that overwhelming sense that something bad is going to happen in in the lives of so many people. Maybe that's the mountain for you. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's something that someone did to you and for the life of you, you cannot forgive them. You have tried, but it's just too big. Or is it a mountain of regret? I wish I hadn't made that decision, done that thing. So where do we start? Well, we start with a little formula. We look at the life of Caleb and and we see what he did. First of all, we stand on a promise of God. Find a promise from God's word about the mountain, the higher ground you want to take. Now, listen carefully to this. If you cannot find a promise from God's word, you may be building the wrong kingdom. For instance, God, I want to win the lottery. And if I do, God, I'll give so much of it to you. God, I just want to win. Okay, when you find the verse that says, thus saith the Lord, play these numbers, you will win. Pray. Get after it, right? Get after it. You're not going to find that verse because you're building your own kingdom. Build God's kingdom. Build God's kingdom. Because there's a lot of verses about forgiveness, about peace. There's a lot of verses about healing. Right? Do you need to be healed? There's a lot of verses about healing. There's a lot of verses about grace and so many things that we could be praying to God for and he's already promised it to us. Make sure you're building on a promise. Number two, 
Make sure your focus is on Jesus. I remind you that everything in this world will do everything it can to get your eyes off of Jesus. To convince you that you will never find freedom, never find healing, never find peace. That you will never take higher ground. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Number three, follow fully. No matter what happens, follow God completely. When enemies threaten you, when resources are low, when time is long, follow God completely. And the fourth one, the fourth one, fight hard. Whatever happened to Christians who fought for something? When, when did we become the people? Well, the Lord will just win my battle for me. So here's what Caleb said. I was 40 when this mess started. I'm 85 today, and this is what he said, and my hand is as strong today as it was when I was 40 for going out to war and coming in from war. I'm ready to go to war. I'll fight for what God has promised me. Where are those people? Because here is not what Caleb was doing. He wasn't asking God to fight for him. He was asking God to fight with him. And here's what I can tell you based on God's word. He wants to help you take higher ground. Would you bow your heads with me? So, what is the mountain in your life that you would look at and say, God help me? Maybe for the first time ever, because we're such a hard-headed people, we're such an independent people that the hardest thing often for us to do is get to the place where we own the reality that we need God's help. Maybe you are there. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship. But you are there. Maybe it's an addiction, a struggle. And you have fought this thing and now you're ready to say, God help me. Or perhaps adversity has caused your faith to weaken and gotten your eyes off Jesus. I need you to understand that the prosperity God has, or the prosperity life has poured out on you is not an accident. Don't let it take your eyes off of Jesus. That the pain you are going through is not an accident. Do not let it take your eyes off Jesus. Or maybe time has just been too long. Maybe it's been so long that you just quit. We are your spiritual family. Man, we got ministers here at the front today. There'll be four ministers here to pray with you. To pray with you. To take higher ground in life. For those of you who don't know Jesus, if God has moved your heart and drawn you to him today, step out. If you are looking for a church home, this is your time to step out. Talk to our staff about what that means for you. If you're online, we have an online pastor waiting to engage with you. Father, thank you so much for the time that you've given us. God, move. Move. There are a lot of mountains in all of our lives, Father. All of us need to be pursuing higher ground somewhere. God, I pray that you would speak in ways that we can't resist and refuse. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.